Mass time and potting together. Brian Tobin on the line. Mass time and friends forever. And talking it up for mass time. Luca's hot, he's in the zone. The rest of the team is ready to go. Mass time. Hear that sound, you know it's math time. I'm your host, Brian Gill. Joined as always by the Sean Rooks to my Cherokee Parks. It's my co-host Tobin Hodges. Tobin, how's it going, buddy? It's going. It's going. You got it. It's pretty good. How many championships did you think the Mavs were gonna win when they drafted Cherokee Parks? Because I thought at least five. Uh zero, because it was Cherokee Parks. <laughs> God, I love <laughs> Cherokee Parks so much. Ugh. 12-year-old Brian oh. was like, this is the guy, man. We got we finally got our we finally got our Duke player here. This dude's gonna be insane. I just with long hair. I, there super, was something about him that just did not sit well with one me. One of the very few white guys, American white guys that I have ever liked as a basketball he, player. And he he looks like the ultimate like dad, like student minister that like he's you know, and he, he, he yeah, look, he walked so that so that Drew Tim, Timmy could whenever could he fly, was playing you know? for the Clippers, like later on in his career, and he had like these gross arm tattoos and he wore that <laughs> red, white, and blue headband. And it was just like, yeah. you were the gr- like, you might be the grossest <laughs> NBA player ever. Like, I don't Dude, know, Adam Morrison exists. So, did you know that? Yeah. Okay, so it's funny that you bring him up because because the other day, still hasn't showered. Yeah. I read an article of like. <laughs> It was like NBA players that are on LinkedIn and he's on LinkedIn. Oh no. And it's literally he's in New York and I think he actually works for the NBA, but it was like National Basketball mm. Association. And I'm like, Oh my out, gosh, man. come on. <laughs> like, what are we doing? <laughs> that bums me out a lot. Yeah. Um, no, I did not think he was going to be our savior. I I, I mean was, I was twelve, so what do I know? But like coming off that season. The Mavs, I think, won 36 games that year. That was J Kid's rookie year. Rookie of the year. We got the, we got the three J's. We got Popeye Jones. We got this high-paced offense. Get a pick. We got the big man we need. Cherokee Parks. And I was even, a big. No, sorry, I even as a 12 year old, even as a 12 year old, <laughs> it all changed for me the second the Cherokee Parks showed up to training camp and he had shaved his head, gone down to like a buzz cut, and I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. The source of all his powers. <laughs> we're we're screwed. We drafted Dude, a bum white guy, not a cool white guy. We're screwed. I we're wanted so. Corliss Williamson really bad because I was a, I was a oh, I hated Corliss Williamson. And so. I mean, listen, I wasn't right, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, he was he was way better than Cherokee Parks. You yeah. were definitely right on that one. I just I hated Corliss. I hate I, Ar- I liked that Arkansas, Arkansas team, and they were I hated them. So they were much. fun to watch. So Ooh, I, pig suey, get the well. I don't like that, but. You know, it's funny because like the like the one year that we didn't have a top five pick, that was like a stud draft. You know, like we had uh-huh. Tony McDice, Joe Smith. Was it is that Stackhouse and Wallace too? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then KG yeah. went five. KG, it was like, gosh, right. of course the yeah. year we like don't have a top five pick is all these Hall of Famers yeah. get drafted. So. We would have drafted br- big country. That's probably anyway, true. Though, so. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, even Damon St- Okay, I'm looking at it now. Even Damon Stoudemire went seven that year. So. Yeah. It's not a great draft outside of KG and Michael. Michael Finley's probably the second best player in that class. It's not a great draft, but when you're the Mavs, that well, is a great yeah, draft. Yeah, what I was gonna say is like when you had when you had Jason Kidd, Jimmy Jackson, and Jamal Mashburn, that's a pretty awesome draft to have a top five pick mm-hmm. to get to get Rashid. 
probably not Stackhouse. I don't know how Stackhouse would have fit with that, but uh, McDice or 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 Sheed or Joe Smith uh, would have been pretty. Let alone KG, obviously. Gosh, KG uh, with the three J's would. <laughs> then yeah, we are totally then we right would have won yeah. a lot of titles. Yeah, there's <laughs> no doubt about that. And Tony Braxton, we would have had to keep anyway, Tony Braxton though. out of the locker room. But yeah, like. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, this is why we do. This is why we're doing math. Yeah, because you guys so understand can, these jokes. <laughs> so we gotta we gotta spend five to ten minutes talking about uh, Tony Braxton and Cherokee Parks and Lauren Meyer. Ugh, we drafted Lauren Meyer, um, buddy. We're gonna talk about basketball for the majority of this this game. This has been a weird week in Mavs basketball history. After such an awesome week last week, and then we come out this week and just kind of fart around not super enthused about that but we gotta we gotta touch on the off-court stuff as well uh because this this donnie nelson (coughs) lawsuit thing is kind of blown up over the last week i i know that this was out there last week when we recorded but it is it was pretty early it was like that day so Yeah, yeah and it just was like i don't know can we see can we just see a little bit more before we we react to this. Mm-hmm. My initial thought was, and I'm pretty sure I texted you this was like, I <sighs> accountability is a, is a big thing really matters to me, really matters to you. These are things that we're very serious about in our, in our daily lives, in our work lives, in our institutions, you know, that we deal with or watch from afar. And it, it is a thing that, somehow has just kind of gotten lost over over the last few years. I really believe very heavily in accountability. I do think that Cuban has handled the last couple of things pretty well. Um once once they were out there, I I tend to believe at least sort of the broad strokes of I didn't really know what was going on and once I did, we we did everything we could to to change it. Um and I and I'm I'm satisfied with that. If if you're not, not you, but like if, if the listener is not, then that's okay. That's fine. Um, I was satisfied with it. And I, I don't mean that from a biased Dallas Mavericks fans perspective. It's, it's just, this is okay. I, I, I'm good. But I told you off the air when this, this lawsuit, when news of this lawsuit drops, I was like, at a certain point, there's going to be this, the smoke is going to be so thick that Cubans not going to be able to, mm-hmm to survive this stuff. And that was my kind of initial thought as this all came out. I will fully admit, even from the outset, I kind of felt like I had some skepticism towards all of this in large part, because this is a wrongful termination suit. And we know why Donnie Nelson got fired and it was rightful. It was Mm -hmm. right. I mean, it's, it's, it's really hard to claim wrongful termination when there's a lot of evidence to, to suggest otherwise. Um, yeah, you could have gotten fired for your job performance alone, let alone some of the stuff yeah, that's getting thrown around exactly, in this lawsuit. Yeah. Exactly. So that was kind of my initial thought, and then I think I feel like, but I don't want to be the person who's coming out and 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 caping for my team just because they're my team. Like, let's see, let's see mm-hmm. more of this. Um, and it's, I don't know, where do you stand? I I will I will say I, I don't want to put you on the, the spot without you know kind of putting myself <laughs> out there too. The countersuit that the Mavs have filed against Donnie Nelson and then the reporting that's being done on the actual lawsuit that Donnie has fi- filed. And I'm not a smart person, nor do I have time to, to, 
to work my way through hundreds of pages of, of legal filings and stuff. So I have to just trust the reporting on that. Um, I feel like this is super duper bogus um, by Donnie Nelson. That's mm-hmm. the place that I have come to. I think the maps have accounted for themselves pretty well in all this to this point. I don't know that we're ever going to get the full story of, of everything. But for me, I think that if this was the, if this was happening with the Boston Celtics and their former GM, um, I would be like, bro, the Celtics are super duper in the right on all this. This is a, I'm sure that there are shady things that happen because shady things happen in every big business. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel pretty confident right now, at least from what we've seen, that that the this is more about Donnie Nelson being a bad person than it is about the Mavs having uh, enabled a predator or something truly bad being on on the Mavs. I don't know where do you, where do you stand on it at this point? So anytime stuff like this happens. Um not even necessarily like Mav centric, but like like anything that has to do with like a he said she said he said he said whatever and it involves um, possible assault and stuff. Right. I try to let a week kind of come out of like where mm-hmm. people like yeah. where you see multiple articles, and I I purposely did not read anything that was Mavs like a Mavs writer. Like I read a couple of national articles about this stuff before I kind of like said anything, but. I've had a lot of people come up to me, you know, and even like some of our people in our discord asking, like, how do we feel about this? And here's what I said, because, like, you know, you're right. Like you, the th- your initial thought is right of if this keeps happening, there has to be some like Cuban's going to have to take a fall for this eventually, because it's, you know, it, it seems like every year and like there's a the, the national media and the national opinions, I think, are only reading headlines, and then they're immediately turning it into, well, Luca's not going to want to stay in this stuff, and that's not the point of this conversation. So mm-hmm. if, mm-hmm. if you are truly paying attention to what Mark Cuban is doing these last few years, especially during the pandemic, you would understand that this dude actually stands for what's right. Okay, so here's the evidence that I have for that. The evidence of when, the, when that big SI article dropped about the, the habitual... Uh, you know, sexual assault and misogyny that was happening in the offices, Cuban immediately chastised it, hired an outside firm, borderline five, I think, I can't remember if he immediately, but he basically got rid of people that needed to go go away and then had the outside people come in and do their job. And he Mm -hmm. he was hands off. Mm -hmm. That was what he did immediately. Then he hires Sint Marshall to come in and change the culture, and it was almost immediately changed and for the better. And she is still around and still a very integral part of what they do. And Mark Cuban has kind of given her power to do that. The things that he is saying uh, in regards to politics and social and civil rights and the things he's doing for pharmacies right now is all good. The difference in this to me was when this came out, Cuban almost instantly came out and said it is lies it is not true and then a day later he were he, he had a countersuit that gave all the reasons why mm-hmm. it wasn't and that is completely off of w- the way he's handled these other situations so like when i talked to people i said i think cuban has earned the right for us to at least have some trust in him in these situations mm-hmm. and so i'm going to do that now does that mean that there is not, there is some bad things here. Absolutely. There probably could be mm-hmm. in, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think it was on the ticket today in local radio around here. They said 
you know, they both, both Donnie Nelson and Cuba know where bodies are buried. So neither one of them wants this to come out in the light, if we're being honest. And so we probably will never know what's truly going on. But the fact that Cuban was vehemently denying and had reasons as to like, like borderline Mm -hmm. evidence as to why it wasn't true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt right now to trust that what he is saying is true. Because here's the other thing, like Donnie Nelson and his father, Don Nelson have not exactly been good people to the Mavs, even while working with the Mavs. And they haven't exactly been good humans either, you know, for being honest. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to believe what Donnie is saying at the moment because of the evidence that's put in front of us. So. Yeah, I would, I would say like, look, I, if, if, if evidence comes out on, on a lot of things here, I mean, we're, you're going to hear, you're going to hear Tobin and I say, Mark Cuban has to sell this team. That's just the way it is, you know. Like I said, accountability is a is a big, big thing. But you do have to like look at what we have before us right now. I I I don't feel like uh, I I feel like one side looks really, really, really bad in this, and it's not the Mavs. So that's that's kind of where I I stand at this point. We'll we'll see if we'll see if that changes. Um, I, it grosses me out that, uh, it really grosses me out. It really bothers me that, that, uh, Donnie outed Jason Luton in this, that he was not, uh, that, that, that people didn't know that, that his, that his inner circle maybe even didn't know that he is gay. And that took, he took that away from him. And that's a, that's a big no, no in that situation. Like whether you agree With this or yeah. not is not the point. The point is, is that he took that away from him and in a very public manner made it about that. And so mm-hmm. that in, in just that's that's the kind of trauma that listen, like in the in the field that I work in right now, mm-hmm. like that is the kind of trauma that causes people to have uh, mental health issues. And then, you know, hopefully this is not true, but, you know, mm-hmm. have depression and maybe take their lives because that's that is a huge dramatic thing to put on somebody and you did it on a national scale like and that's just uh, that's unacceptable so whether whether even if he is a hundred percent right you don't like i just i mean i don't know maybe i don't know maybe i shouldn't say that i don't i just i think that's that's a that's such a sensitive thing so like if he Mm -hmm. if he's not a hundred percent right he shouldn't even be doing that you know if he is a hundred percent right i guess that's different that's a different story but i don't know it's just right if he's a predator then whatever yeah but like it doesn't really feel like it's leaning in that direction right now. I, 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 I'll I say, too, I felt like it was a really big deal that Dwight Powell came out mm-hmm. so vociferously. The day in, of, too. In, yeah, in, in <clears throat> Luton's uh, defense. Because, A, I mean, Dwight Powell is a very well-respected human being. Let You know, setting aside even the, the basketball side of things. He's, he's a respected human being. He is a, he's a very smart dude. Um you know, he's he's a Stanford educated guy and he also is not somebody who runs his mouth. And so for, for Dwight Powell to come out very directly and and stand in support of Jason Luton, who he's friends with, I, I took as as a pretty as pretty indicative of, of where we're at with this. And mm-hmm. um, I think Donnie Nelson uh, looks really, really bad. We won't talk about this again until until and unless more stuff comes to light. Because it it feels, 
I don't like speculating and I don't like dealing in, in kind of gossipy stuff. And, and it does feel that way. Um, hey, and listen, it if it does come to light that the Mavericks, like that Cuban's lying and has it wrong, yeah. we're going to be the first to yeah. say he's got to go. Like, right. and this, exactly. And so exactly. like, that's the thing is like, that's, that is again, why, as I laid out in, in this podcast, he has given us a, enough reason to have, to give him some trust in this, mm-hmm. in these, in these situations, because he has handled the stuff incredibly well. And honestly, as well as he probably could have, you know, even, and he even taken blame for stuff that he didn't necessarily need to take blame for either. And so, yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I, you got to give him some trust in, in, in this situation. If based off the information that we have right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about basketball. Um, Philly game. I, I will just say the Philly game feels like one of those uh, respectable losses. You know, like you're not supposed to win that game. Still missing Reggie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just nobody could really get anything going. I, I'll, be, I'll just I'll be honest. I watched about I watched some of the first quarter and then later I went back and I watched some of the third quarter. It just felt like one of those games where Luca. If Luca was really special that night, we might have had a chance, but he he wasn't. He was he was normal <laughs> for the night, and and no one else really had anything. And you're playing a good team in their gym, and it's just you know it after after the the Celtics and and uh, and and Brooklyn wins, then it's like okay, you can just you can accept this and move on. The Charlotte one is the one that bothered me and and made me frustrated. The Philly one, whatever you lose, you sometimes you lose games. The Charlotte game frustrated me greatly because <laughs> you can't let a vibes team like Charlotte get hot. And that's exactly, I mean, they just like, they played directly into Charlotte's hands in that game. And it was super, super, super frustrating to watch it happen. Luca had a, I mean, Luca scored really well and shot the ball really well, but he also was flipping with the ball that comes up later in the next, <laughs> in the next game. Um, and, and I don't, I think we over, I've said, I'm sure many times before, I think we overrate the negative impact of turnovers. I think if you're aggressive and you have the ball a lot, you're going to have turnovers and it is what it is, but you can't be flippant with the ball the way he, he has been lately, but you also can't, you can't spot a team like the Hornets that is, that is a team that as, as a collective will get super hot. You can't spot them 20 points. Like like the Mavs did in the first quarter. Just everything they did was wrong in the, in the beginning of that game. And it, and it ultimately is what leads to you, you have to fight so much to get back into it so early in the game. And then you don't have anything left in the tank when they come back with their inevitable third quarter run, which is exactly what happened. Mavs got it down to two in the third quarter and the, the Hornets took a timeout and then ran off 11 straight points and it's over at that point. You know, mm-hmm. very frustrating. Yeah, and it just you know it, it was one of those things where you can't you couldn't really do anything about how hot they were shooting, but also you let them like you said you let them get this. I mean they shot almost fifty percent from three, which is just crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we yeah. we shot thirty seven percent, which is actually not too bad. And Luca was actually his three ball was like solid that night. Yeah. yeah, he had eight of twelve, yeah. and it, you know, but he was also he was also minus thirty, and so it just right. it just it was one of those things where it was like. 
part of me wants to say, well, you know, you, you caught, you caught a hot shooting team on a night that, that you just couldn't do anything about it. But the other part of me is like, you're absolutely right. Like you should have punched them in the mouth in court in the first quarter and never let them get back up. And, yeah. and they, and that didn't happen. The, I was the same way. The Philadelphia, Philadelphia game was on, was whenever I was on a flight back to Dallas. And so I did, I, <laughs> I saw the first quarter and I was like, Ugh. and then, and then I, I texted mm-hmm. you, on the flight and said, I think I have messaging on this phone. Keep me updated. And then I did not have So like when I, when I landed, <laughs> I got like a mass of like, Oh, we suck. And <laughs> it's like, Oh, okay. No, I'm glad I missed that one then. So yeah. Yeah. It, it is what it is. It happens. It's, it's the, the Charlotte one. You and I were together watching part of the Charlotte game. And then we were like, why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> Let's move on to the tournament. Um, but like, I don't know. It, Charlotte, there is a very specific and frankly pretty easy blueprint for how to, at least, if maybe not how to beat them, but at least how to put yourself in the position to win the game. There's a pretty easy blueprint against the Charlotte Hornets, and the Mavs came out and were like, "Nope, we're doing the exact opposite." The entire that entire first quarter, and then they 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 double down their money on mm-hmm. in, in the third quarter, and that's what pissed me off. And I said to you as we turned the game off and moved on to something else, it was like it, the Boston game and the Brooklyn game mean nothing if you come out and you blow this, you get killed by Charlotte, and then you lose to Minnesota at home on on Monday. Now so the counterpoint put a lot of pressure on on the Monday game, and that was something that it was like yeah. really. Why are we? Why do we continually make things hard on ourselves? The <laughs> counterpoint, yeah, and the counterpoint I'll make to that is, if you would have, if you would have said, you know, before the Boston game that we were going to go into that four game stretch two and two, like we would have taken that. It's just we just ended up winning the two that we didn't think we were going to win, you know. And so, I mean, because you, you were even talking about like, man, like I just hope we go one and three. <laughs> So, you know, just so I think if we if you tell us beforehand we're going to and two, that's great. But we came off such a high. We finished recording mass time after we beat Brooklyn. And we're like, yeah, look at us. And then we just like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and so, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's but it also didn't. It was compounded with the fact that before the Minnesota game on Monday, they were also making a charge and then they have snuck into this. Hey, they could actually get the six seed. Hey, they might actually be able to get the five seed. And yeah. And yeah. so it made the Monday game and then the what's coming on Friday and like much more important than just, hey, we're playing Minnesota twice in one week, you know. And so that, that I think that's just part of it. It just kind of all was this perfect storm of like, holy crap, like what are we doing, you know. And so it's hopefully. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That's the thing is like we haven't I, – I, I'll, I'll cop to it. We on, – on this feed or on our, our other feed, we, we, we've not talked enough about Minnesota probably given what they've been doing. They've been like the third best team in the league since, Mm -hmm. since 2022, you know? And, and they've, I mean, they've been, they've been incredible and, and I don't know. I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just like, I don't really take D'Angelo Russell seriously or if it's just I mean, I, honestly what it is, is that they started from so far back that it's kind of it's like you kind of kept waiting for eh, this is fun and it's cute. But like, is it going to last? I don't know. You know, <laughs> we'll we'll see. We'll see how this goes. Um, and then you look up and you're like, holy cow, like I've been worried about Denver this whole time. And, and really what I should have been worried about is is uh, is Minnesota because mm-hmm. they're. The last 15 games, and and this goes back further, but this is what I can pull up real quickly looking at uh, looking at NBA.com, is 
They, I mean, the last 15 games, they're 11 and four, and they're averaging 124 points per game. That's, I mean, you know, and they're dangerous that's pretty, too. I mean, they're impressive. Yeah, they're they're not like Denver is dangerous because they have Jokic, but like that's that's right. a that's a doable dangerous. Like if mm-hmm. if Minnesota gets Edwards and Cat and D'Angelo Russell going, like they're they're a dangerous seven six seed. So. You yeah. know, what I mean, like it, Look, the, they're trending yeah, up, yeah. and then you have the Warriors who are trending down. Like if they end up sliding mm-hmm. in the sixth seed. That could be a really, really interesting series. And so, yeah, I just it became that. Like I said, it was a perfect storm because like they came out of nowhere. The Lakers are slipping. The Clippers are, uh, you know, freaking ridiculous. And so, and then and it's just like it's almost like they're they, they've like ninjaed their way up to the seventh seed. And now, like I mean, like right now after games tonight, they're only mm-hmm. three and a half back of us at the five seed. Now they're probably not going to catch mm-hmm. us, but they're only a game and a half back of the Nuggets. Well, yeah, and and I mean they're probably not, but a big part of it was was this game on Monday. Yeah. I mean, look, that, that that's my thing. Like, you're you're totally right. I said going into into that that first three games of that that stretch of that Eastern trip, Boston, Brooklyn, Philly. If you can win one of those games, honestly, I'll be I'll be fine. Um, but, but I, you know, I will admit part of me, part of that is kind of assuming that the Charlotte game is, is a W or yeah. at least you were just setting yourself up for game. the further, the future yeah, disappointment. I need, to stop doing that. <laughs> I need to stop doing that. But like, if you win that Charlotte game, there's way less pressure going into this next week, which is Minnesota. Thank God for the Houston Rockets, Minnesota again, and the Utah jazz, like truly this next week decides most likely decides where we end yeah. up in in the standings for for the playoff spot it's 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 vital that they get these wins honestly they need to go four and oh in in this stretch now they're two and oh to start so we're we're in a good we're in a good space at that and we've we've carved out just a tiny little bit of space and finally gotten some help from from the rest of the league just a just a little bit uh with boston tonight against utah and in phoenix against against minnesota so we've gotten a little bit of help but we gotta talk about this timberwolves game um, it was wild because <laughs> it was a wild game. I look, my favorite type of win is always going to be the games where Luca just goes bananas and we win because Luca had a 40 point triple double. Those are my favorite games. Um, my second favorite games honestly are the ones where Luca struggles and other people figure it out because I think it's vital for the playoffs. And this is why, the Dinwiddie Porzingis trade is such a huge, huge deal is having somebody out there who is dependable mm-hmm. um, and has some balls and can do. And some he stuff. wasn't even on top of his game, his shooting game, at least <laughs> that night either. I know. I know. But it's 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 imperative that you you learn how to win games when Luca is not getting a 40 yeah. point triple. Double I mean, if you if you looking at crazy. the fact that the Timberwolves were on a four game win streak coming into that game. Mm-hmm. Lucas shoots five for 17, three for 11 from three and only has 15 points. And Dwight Powell is your leading scorer and shot a perfect eight from eight from the field. Like there's, if you gave me the box, the Mavericks box score and said, did you win this game? I'd be like, heck no, he didn't win that game. But right. So it's that, so like as much as it was a, a game that we shouldn't have let happen against Charlotte, that's a game in Minnesota where it's like, we, we fought for a win that, and that's, I won't say we shouldn't have gotten, but it definitely was. We right. won in a way that people don't expect us to win. You know, it was nice to have Bullock back, mm-hmm. 37 strong minutes, you know. Yeah. He literally just came in and said, I'm shooting threes a day. I'm not doing anything else. Mm-hmm. And then and that's mm-hmm. that was great. It yep. was a huge pickup. Yep. He, 
you know, this is Mavs time. So <laughs> you can say I, every team, you, every team's dealing with injuries. Every team's got guys in and out. Every team's got guys that are struggling. This is kind of the thing. I understand that Reggie Bullock is not, uh, you know, the third best player on a good team level player. I understand. I understand he's a role player. He really is vital to the success of the Mavs uh, because of because of the gravity, because of the shooting, and because it's another guy on the floor who can defend, and we need that. We need another wing defender. He's not a great defender. He's not a world-class defender or anything like that, but he's a good defender, and he gives Dorian somebody to partner with on that end. Um, and and Maxi Dorian and Maxi, especially given how awful Maxi has been defensive. I mean, offensively, it gives you another it gives you another option and. It, it, it helps tremendously. He helps tremendously. The Mavs should have won that game by 25 points, even with Luka playing crappy. I, I mean, <laughs> the thing, this, this is the, I have very few criticisms of Luka Doncic. Um, one of them is sometimes you can tell when he's decided that he's going to pass the ball. Like he comes into the game with the mentality of, I'm going to spread the ball around and, and get my teammates some shots. Versus the times when he comes in and says, I'm here to get buckets and set us off on the right foot this way. And he doesn't always vary that quickly enough. He doesn't mm-hmm. toggle that switch yeah. quickly enough. And th- that game was a great example of that. The first quarter, he's just getting he's getting wide open shots. for Re- Reggie hits two shots right off the bat. You're like, cool, we're rolling now. And then we they all just go cold as a team. The shots are so wide open pretty much the entire quarter, but we're not getting, we're not cashing any of them. And I needed about four to seven minutes into that game. I needed Luca to say, I'm going to at least go get a couple buckets to kind of get us moving in the right direction. And then we'll see where we go from there. And he didn't like to go scoreless in a quarter is wild. It was a wild thing Mm -hmm. for, for Luca, especially in a quarter when, when, I mean, Jared Vanderbilt got three fouls in the first quarter. He's the best defender against Luca. And you end up with, Pat Beverly is the guy who's guarding him. Usually, Luca eats that matchup all day. Yeah, he didn't in this one. He didn't at all. Yeah. He didn't at all. And I, you know, I'll give him credit for. I don't think that. I don't think that Pat Bev's stuff <laughs> to uh, to keep myself in check a little bit. I don't think that that Pat Bev's stuff works against Luca, but he also. He as as far as the mental yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't think know, he was in his head not, necessarily. I don't think he was in his head, but he was flippant with the ball. We had like six turnovers in the first quarter or something like that. And he he just wasn't he wasn't aggressive enough about sending Pat Bev out of the game the way he has been previously. And uh it just it needed to pick up a little bit. It needed to pick up sooner. And instead it kind of locked us into a a bit of a back and forth with a team that's averaging like 130 points over the last 20 games, you know, and it just was, it was a mistake on that front. Now we all know Luca changes things up very easily, very, very well. Um, once he's had a look at it, I kind of expect he's going to score 40 points on Friday against the wolves. But cause I watched that the, the game and I'm like, I don't really feel like they're doing anything all that, creative against him defensively it's it felt more like it was today's a day where the where the other guys are getting shots and he needed to to flip back to something else yeah uh, a long time before he actually he actually did yeah and it's you know 
You're, I think you're right, and I think that this is going to be where like Beverly did so much talking that game because he understandably like was actually winning a, <laughs> a matchup against him for once. I think mm-hmm. Luca's going to come out with with fire eyes and just be ready to torch Vanderbilt and Beverly, and it's going to be gr- great. But mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like you know, <laughs> Maxi was just atrocious in this game and just so so bad. Um, Bullock being back, I think, is what is what saved us. If I'm being honest, because like you know, those those six three pointers is what you should have been getting from Maxi, and you know, and then I reverse jinxed Dorian on our when we were texting, because I was just like, I said something. It feels like he hasn't hit a big shot since Sacramento, and then he hits two threes in the last minute that kind of mm-hmm. sealed the game for us. So you're you're welcome, Mavs fans, because I'm apparently the the reverse jinx of everything this year. So. <laughs> I love Dorian so much, man. Yeah, he's, I, that dude, he's great. He has progressed so much as a player. He is such a better player this year than he was last year. And his ability to... to he, he's never going to be a guy who like really attacks off the dribble consistently, but his ability now to, to read the closeout and attack into space and then move the ball is, is a huge upgrade from where he was even earlier this season mm-hmm. he's really he's picked that up wonderfully and it's it's made it it's made a huge difference um and it also too though it, it like this is this was a this game was a great example I, I i sort of already touched on this but like it's a great example of of dinwiddie's value to the team because he gets a couple of buckets when we really he got a he he was massive in the the second quarter like turning the game back into you know a fight getting us back in the lead all that sort of stuff um that's a huge part of it was was him and then in the fourth quarter it's the it's it's the the screen setting and the the, the slip screens that he sets and that last shot that I think I can't remember if it was the Dorian shot or the Reggie shot at the end there I think it was the Reggie shot the Dorian shot was. Luca just orchestrating the crap out of out of out of possession and and going before the screen got there because he already liked where Dorian was, knowing the whole time he's going to Dorian in the corner and Dorian splashes it. The the Reggie one um, was equally impressive because of how quickly Spencer sw- swings it from the wing to the corner. Like he knew he he knew as soon as that ball started heading in his direction. Here comes the ball. Here comes the defender. Reggie's open in the corner. Boom, bucket. And that's that's kind of kind of ball game. And then we get all kinds of referee shenanigans. Awful referee. Awful officiating. Awful officiating throughout the course of that game. Just just terrible. Just terrible. Um, you know, you get the last two minute report, and there were two things that that should have gone the Mavs way. None that should have gone the Timberwolves way. I would guess that there were four hundred <laughs> through the course of the. I mean, it was an awful officiating, uh, but. The shenanigans down the stretch with the reviews, which I know is like your your big bugaboo at this point, and I totally agree with you. Like the the length of time we got to spend deciding whether or not Pat Beverly was shooting a three or not. Obviously, he was not. Then the the terrible call uh, on the rebound. I, I will give Pat Bev credit for executing the uh, the missed free throw really well like most players are awful at that and he did a great job with it it was perfect perfect bounce perfect timing all that sort of stuff we get another review and then uh (laughs) another jump ball i mean it's just it's so it's so aggravating to watch this down the stretch and then i don't know how in the world as a referee tobin you stand there on the baseline 
and you see Pat Bev do the fake free throw and don't immediately blow that dead. Like that is such a basic thing to watch for that we should see in middle school basketball, let alone the NBA. And, and they just stood there and let it play out. I, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. <laughs> it was, it was uber frustrating down the stretch. Yeah. Just, just once again, you know, it works in our favor again, but like it, it's, a, it's a challenge and then a jump ball. And then, it's a challenge, and the teams get free timeouts. I think I texted you this week that one of my um, addendums I want to the coaches' challenge is that mm-hmm. when you do that, you shouldn't be allowed to rally with your players. Like the players should have to be put on the other side of the court, and the coaches have to stay on the yeah, bench. I totally agree. So they don't get an extra timeout out of all that. Because I just because like especially if it, it, it's especially if you <laughs> if you uh, <laughs> if you do like the whole. You know, like I mean, like every one of these reviews is at least three minutes long, and like that's longer than a normal timeout. And so mm-hmm. you're just yeah. giving them all this time to write up a play and do what they need to do. And I just, gosh, I mean, it was unreal to me that we basically moved four seconds at a time and were in the same spot both times mm-hmm. with Patrick Beverly at the line. Yep. You just, you know, and then you know that that whole fouling when you're up three is just always terrifying to me. I know it's the right play and like I would actually absolutely coach people to do that, but it's always terrifying. Cause like, I mean like that Patrick Beverly even drained the shot after the Luca foul and it, it definitely wasn't in the shooting motion, but like, that's always, I mean, these, these refs have proven that they're going to kind of call what they want to call. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just yeah. such a dangerous game to play, but yeah, I, I have kind of come, uh, I've kind of done a 180 on the foul up three thing i used to be a huge proponent of that um and get really frustrated when carlisle wouldn't do it and i've i've kind of changed my tune on i thought the second one was perfect i thought that was a that was a fantastic play by luca because of the way it was bouncing because of where pat bev was on the on the floor because of the way that that i mean all that was perfect there was no world in which he could possibly get a three-shot foul there um even if they said oh he was in the shooting motion it would have been like right four feet inside the line. So we're good with that. You know, um, I thought that one was great. The one before that, I think they were lucky that they didn't review it. Yeah. I think agreed. I would, I would say that it absolutely was not a foul in the shooting motion. And the Mavericks had told the referees we're going to foul, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I would, the Mavs will be right to be ticked if they came back and said that was three shots. But also, he did get himself into the shooting motion pretty quickly, and I think I think it was a really risky play, given that they had. What you really need in that situation is 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 very difficult to do because it was very. I mean, clearly, Jason Kidd said, "Hey, we're gonna foul. We're gonna foul up here." But then they they kind of blew up the the Wolves' play, and it was it was a little bit scrambly. By the time that Towns pops up and then hits Pat Bev. Dorian made the right play by not fouling when when Towns ends up catching the ball basically at the hash mark out towards midcourt. Dorian made the right play. You'd really like Reggie in that situation to also then read this read the situation and be like, this is Patrick Beverly. He's catching the ball moving away this direction. I'm gonna contest, not foul. And instead, we but we've been co- but we've been told, you know, the coach told me this is what. And so it's 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 a hard thing to pull off. I'm but I'm getting to the point where I think that NBA players are too crafty, and officials are too easily swayed by the review that I I feel like you're really risking things by by fouling up three. I think yeah. it's almost better in most situations now to just 
play it out and see what happens. Yeah, agreed. But but that's just me. That's just me. Um, what do you expect from from these next few games? We like I said, well, we you and I we we didn't get haven't even had a chance to watch the Houston game. Brunson went off in the third quarter, put that away. Mavs took care of business. That's what you're supposed to do against bad teams. I don't love resting Luca ever at this point in the season when every game matters, but you know, against Houston, I I guess I appreciate we expect we're gonna we're gonna get this thing. Um but so they, they get the W, they're tied up for the four seed right now. They get Minnesota on Friday and Utah on Sunday. These are two huge, huge games. What are you uh what are you expecting to see? Uh, from these next couple. Well, they they have four games by the time we record next. So Minnesota at Minnesota, home Utah, home LA uh, Lakers, and then at Cleveland. Mm-hmm. I think that you can very easily go three and one in that stretch. Maybe not very easily. I think you can go three and one in that stretch, and you should be able to go four and zero. Oh. Like Cleveland's fallen off a little bit, and you have the two hard games at home. And I'm not even saying Los Angeles is a hard game. I mean, I'm saying Los Angeles is a hard game because. They're still LeBron. They're still the Lakers. They mm-hmm. sure. they still can come out. I mean, like they they just. I mean, they, they just went final, but they just held. They they just stayed with the Sixers this whole game, you know. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that you have to go three and one in these games, and and I I think you can go four and zero oh. because I I would love to be going into Washington on April first with a three and one four and zero oh, like kind of momentum because that's going to be an emotional game that. You know, may not matter and it really, but I, I that sure. that could that's an emotional game, and then you have Milwaukee right after that, and so you could very easily drop those two if you're not careful. So, mm-hmm. and they're both on the road too. Yeah, I I agree with you, but I'll take it even a step further. I think I really think you need to win these next two games. I I that sounds so stupid, generic. Uh, I expect to see Luca come out and set the tone on Friday and do a much better job of of gunning for his own shot and punishing. If they want to put tiny little guy, Pat Beverly, on, on Luka, he's got to punish it. Um, they just need to, they need to treat these next two games like they're playoff games because it's, it's not just about yeah. getting the W. It's about giving those guys the loss in both games. They're truly – I mean, they're, you can – if you win Friday, you can just about clinch uh, a spot over the Wolves with that with that mm-hmm. w, if you get a win and then you know you're not going to put the jazz away by beating them on sunday if you beat them on sunday but it definitely i mean that's a double win it's, it's yeah it, and it we've already two, i think we've already know? lost the chance to have the tiebreaker against them if i remember correctly no we can we 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 have lost two to them we beat them once so we can get the we can tie up the tiebreaker and then the second tiebreaker i believe is conference record I don't know that for sure, but I think we if we win on on Sunday, then I believe we would get the second tiebreaker against the Jazz. So they're two one up on us at the moment. Um, Our conference record is better than theirs right now, but it's, we have we okay. have three more games. We're we're three up in the win column. We're tied in the loss column against them. Okay. So okay. So like I said, you can't you you can't put Utah away on on Sunday, but you. That's a big deal. If you're able to get both of these wins, because, um, like I said, they both count. They they both count for double. They both they do damage to the you, the the people that are directly around you, and 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 they, they obviously they get you the dub. So, 
I don't know. I'm not saying you lose these two games, then I'm just going to come out here and freak out on, <laughs> on us. But I, I think that you need to treat these two games like like playoff games, and and it it behooves you greatly to come out and get to get two Ws. Um, we'll see. I love the stat. The thing, like, I think it's a big deal that Dorian was kind of took on the team in in the locker room tonight against the uh, against the Rockets and and kind of put it all on the line and talking about accountability because that's a guy that doesn't talk much uh in in the locker room and stuff so i love that they just need to feed on that fire and 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 push through Mm -hmm. because really the last the last week and a half of the season should be relatively easy besides milwaukee they don't have a a lot of tough competition it's really these next three or four that that matter the most so let's make let's take care of it see what happens um all right man thanks for uh thanks for listening thanks for being here uh, if you like what you heard, tell your friends, bring your Mavs buddies around to listen to this podcast. It helps us greatly to carve a little space in this very cramped po- my, podcast market. I'm very tired at this point. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And in that review, tell us the most obscure or random NBA jersey that you own or have owned in the past. We like to read those out at the end of the show. We'll be back next week with more awesome NBA talk and Mavs time as well. And until then... Shut it down! That's a wrap.